Well, then it doesn't end because I just got I got shat on before. <laughs> I literally covered my jeans in shit tonight. So I'm so glad I'd hit record by that point, Friday. <laughs> you meant to warn yeah, me when you first record, Sam. That's how it works. Okay, hello listeners and welcome to the 63rd episode of the Picky Bastards podcast, uh, the miserable music podcast in which three men pretend to know what they're talking about and dress up opinions as fact. But today you're in luck because it's not just three men doing that, it's four men. Um, I am, I'm here with the normal Picky Bastards. Um, hi, Sam. Hello. And hi, Matt. Hi, I get to be normal. Yeah, I always say that when there's a guest, I call you normal, so... Enjoy it. Um, how are you both? Good. Yeah. We're also here with Will Collins, uh, a friend of mine and a one of the writers on the Picky Bastards website. And uh, not to embarrass you, Will, but I, I think one of my favourite writers, even though you have questionable taste on occasion. Uh, so welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Um, good. I'll, I'll try not to embarrass myself after that kind introduction. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, you're allowed to embarrass yourself. That's why we do the podcast, really. And we'll um, maybe get into a bit of sparring about the uh, questionable tastes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see. I'm not going to predict anything, but uh, we'll see. Uh, I've got a few questions for you in a minute to get to know you a little bit better, or for the audience to get to know you a little bit better. But before, I'll just I'll introduce the podcast this episode. So every month we feature four recently released albums, one classic album that we don't know really, and then one of us will talk about an artist we love in the Why I Love section. So this month, we've got This Is Why by Paramore. We've got Desire, I Want to Turn Into You by Carolyn Polacek. We've got Land of Sleeper by Pigs, 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 Pigs. Uh, we've got Good Riddance by Gracie Abrams. They're the four recent releases. The classic is B-1000, which is the animal B for some reason, by Guided by Voices. And we have a... Will will be telling us about why he loves Leonard Cohen. And he put together a Leonard Cohen playlist for us. So we'll look forward to that. Um, Sam, Matt, anything you want to say before I launch to the questions for Will? Or shall I just kick on? Just get, just get on with it. Yeah. yeah. yeah okay, Will. So we've got four sort of quick fire questions. Or you don't have to be that quick. Um, just to get to know you and your taste a little bit. So tell us what your favourite album of the last 12 months is, please. Well, I thought I'd come up with a really good answer to this. I was going to tell you how much I'd enjoyed the K-Tempest record. And then I went and had a look, and it turns out it actually came out on the 8th of April last year. And so it was just outside. And although I probably could have claimed that it was the last 12 months, the annoying pernickety part of me would have been crossing myself. So I think instead I would have to say probably the LS Dunes record that came out right at the tail end of last year. Mm. Um, That it was, if you haven't heard of it, it's a sort of, I mean, they they're referred to as a super group whether or not you think they're okay. a super group will depend on your your love of uh, <laughs> yeah. the kind of the bands that they've come from so it's of people from there's someone from my chemical romance and then okay. i think there's someone from thursday and it's that that sort of era and kind of ilk of bands mm. um and it's like a sort of um i guess post hardcore would be the easiest way of describing it but it's like really catchy but quite sort of crunchy songwriting and um yeah i just thought it was a really brilliant set of songs Interesting. Well, it's probably more interesting than the K Tempest since we I think that was our album of the year or second on the podcast last year. Yeah. Number two. So um I've never heard of this band that you're talking about. But my I would say Romance. go and 
I would go say go and check them out, even if you like think or the idea of My Chemical Romance or any of those other bands that I mentioned sort of puts you off. Because although there's a bit of their DNA there, like it's very much its own thing. Okay, cool. I will. I, I kind of thought when you bought My Chemical Romance up, you were backing up my um, questionable taste comment early on. <laughs> but um, never mind. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> okay, big, next question. Uh, first album you ever bought? So I, I was struggling to th- to remember this, and for a moment I thought it was Steps, Step One, but actually yes. I think no, on I reflection that was Sam's. I was given it by my parents, so it wasn't. I think the first record I ever actually went into a shop and bought with my own money would be Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden. Um, (laughs) That's some variation there, isn't it? I'm a broad judge when it comes to music. How how much later was that and how old were you? Because obviously that came out a while ago. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so I would have been... I'm just trying to think how old I would have been, 11 or 12 or something like that when that Steps record came out. So it wouldn't have been that long. I had a very brief, very sort of maniacal top of the pops watching phase where I was like, if my family had put something in the diary that would clash with it, I'd throw an absolute tantrum and was obsessed (laughs) and knew everyone who was in the charts and like loved all that sort of stuff. And then very quickly pivoted to being a sort of Kerrang reader with <laughs> enormous jeans and studded nice. wristbands and all that sort of caper. I really want to witness both of these stages of Will, but uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe we will tonight. Um, okay, well, best gig of the last 12 months? So I'd have to, I think this is what, this is what I actually wrote about um, for the website. I'd have to say okay. the Paul Heaton um, gig oh, wow. at um, the O2. Yeah, just before Christmas. Like it was one of those mm. ones, in all honesty, I I bought the tickets because they were quite cheap for um like arena tickets. And it, mm. I, I I love I love Paul Heaton's work. I love the House Martins, love um oh my goodness, what's the, the name beautiful of South. The, the Beautiful South. Um but I, I haven't listened to much of his solo stuff. But then when I saw him and Jackie Abbott were touring, I was like, brilliant, I'll go to that. And it was just absolutely, she was ill and had to pull out of it. So it was just him, but it was him, this incredible band. And like, he has got an unbelievable back catalogue and it was just a really sort of joyous evening of of great songs and like a really cross-generational kind of audience as well. I mean, they were the, the sort of age profile that you would expect. And then people had clearly brought their kids along and then sort of yeah. other people as well. But it was just like a really... It was at the end of a really long slog of a Christmas term, and then just I went to that the day after, and it was just like a beautiful two hours. And he's still got an unbelievable voice as well. Nice, nice. You're definitely demonstrating these varied tastes in these questions, aren't you? Yeah, um, all over the place, but in a good way. Um, okay, so worst gig you've ever been to? I, I I had to think about this. I've been quite lucky to have not been to too many really awful ones and actually the band that i've plumped for is my worst i've seen two other times separately and absolutely loved them but um the the worst gig was uh the flaming lips headlining what was it i think it was called kaleidoscope it was like a festival they did at ali pali a few Mm. years back and i've seen i've seen them a couple of times before and they were just brilliant and like you know when you see the flaming lips they're not going to be entirely sober when they take to the stage Mm. but um (laughs) this this time um what's he called is it wayne coin the singer he was just completely out of it and like kept missing his his cues and was just like rambling into the microphone and like the, the the rest of the band were clearly annoyed and it it just totally derailed the energy of it and 
yeah, it, it, and it, because I'd seen them before and they'd been brilliant, it was just a really sort of stark contrast mm. with those. And it, it was just frustrating when you know how good they can be to then see them just really misfiring like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been there. The worst worst thing I've ever seen was Kurt Vile for the same reasons. He was just so pissed and just couldn't do anything. And it's just kind of like people are paid to come and see this. Um, have a few beers, like, but be able to play to your audience. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. Cool. Okay. So we now know Will and his very varied taste. Um, and we're going to stick with Will for a little bit because we're going to launch the, the questions about the albums that we covered this month. So, Will, which album did you think was the darkest of the albums? Well, you might expect me to go for the, is it Pigs Times Seven? Um, yes, it is. But actually, I would say, on reflection, the, the record that I found the darkest was the... Um, Gracie Abrams record Um, and it's like if you were listening to it and not sort of listening to the lyrics and not listening too closely it's on the surface seems quite a gentle kind of sort of folk poppy kind of record and then actually like you dig dig into the lyrics you listen a little more carefully to the to the delivery and there's this sort of there's this like darkness kind of lurking and bubbling away under the surface like there's this real kind of lyrical thread throughout the record of 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 regret and of kind of almost self-loathing in a way mm. that's placed at a real counterpoint to the quite gentle, often quite restrained music and her vocal deliveries really sort of breathy and quite soft. And it, it, it kind of acts in counterpoint to that to, to almost heighten, I guess, the sort of the dark lyrical kind of focus of it so actually i would say actually out out of all of them that was that was the record that 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 kind of struck me the most as being the darkest in that way i guess that makes sense that makes sense and what, what did you think of it as a whole did you were you a fan were you into it yeah or? absolutely loved it. it i think and i think it's a real grower as well like the first time i listened to it i was like oh this is this is this this is really good like it's it's stuff that's totally in my wheelhouse like i i i really love stuff that operates at that kind of that borderline of sort of pop and kind of folk and, and i guess kind of country as, as well to to a lesser mm. extent in a way um and like the first first listen through i was like i think i was like cooking or washing up or something and i was like oh this is like really catchy great this is this is definitely something i can listen to and then like the second listen i was i was listening more carefully to the lyrics and I was just, like I said, I think just there's something really kind of naked and vulnerable about a lot mm. of the the kind of lyrical focus of it. And I love writers that kind of put themselves under the spotlight like that. And I I just found it a really um, captivating listen. Um, it's like it's quite an uncomfortable listen in, in places. Some of the sort of ideas and emotions that are, are expressed are pretty. Um, pretty pretty challenging to listen to and there's a real sense mm. of, of of a kind of lack of closure um in, in many ways on the record but yeah I, th- I thought it was absolutely brilliant and it's definitely one that i will keep going back to and i don't, I don't know any of their other work so mm. um i don't know if this first record or whatever but i'll definitely be going out and exploring um more, first more, more as a result this, yeah this is david it's been a couple of eps but um yeah sam you picked it do you want to come in yeah, um, I I feel like the, as a starting point, this this kind of feels like an album we've heard quite a few times and have kind of covered quite a few times. I mean, mm. Aaron Desner produces an album with a kind of bedroom pop aesthetic thing 
has kind of been the sound of the last four years or something, yeah. especially since yeah. those Taylor Swift records. And in some ways, I feel like that kind of does a disservice to how good a lot of this album is. Because yes, it is kind of what we've heard before, but I do think her voice really suits this sort of music. And I I, I think there's tracks like, like Full Machine I picked out that really, really build and um, have a really, really strong payoff. Um, I think Where Do We Go Now is is probably my highlight. Um, I think, Will, you picked up on the lyrics of, of all of these songs. And I think it really captures, like, not a completely unique perspective, but an interesting perspective of kind of like a relationship that ends and knowing that you're at fault as well as as well as them. And I, I found that a really interesting take throughout the album. Um, but then there is, there are also some songs like, this is what the drugs are for. It just sounds too similar to something I've heard before recently. Mm. I, I it, This is kind of the sound that Olivia Rodrigo goes for. It's the sound Taylor's gone with. There's, there's other albums, the, 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 um, the Samia album we did a couple of episodes ago, it, it kind of captures this same vibe and it feels like there was moments where I could hear Aaron Desner in it and it kind of started to put me off a bit. Um, and I felt like the album also lost loses its steam at the very end. I think you get mm. to that song Difficult and that's a really thrilling moment. And then the final three songs or so, it feels just a bit too much. I'd have liked it to be just a bit more concise and a bit more kind of um, contained. But I, I did enjoy a lot of this and I can see why she's been someone who's kind of been building and building up to this point. I mean, I, I, don't, I hate to, <laughs> I don't want to be the person to be like jumping on kind of the current talking point with Gracie Abrams around the fact that, yes, she is J.J. Abrams' daughter. And it's like, <laughs> I didn't even know that when I picked this. I, I'd heard I'd heard of her name. Um, I mean, she's, she's supporting the Taylor Swift tour. She's been around. I've heard a couple of songs. And that's kind of why I picked the album. But um, yeah, I, th- I, think, I think it's an interesting debut album and has some really interesting ideas. Um, I just wonder if... I was kind of just let down with it being a little too similar to other things mm. that kind of do this slightly better. Um, but I did enjoy it. Cool. I think I'll jump in, Matt, if that's all right, because I think yeah, some of my, what it. Sam said is in line with what I've said, really. But I mean, generally, I did like this album more than I thought I was going to. Um, there were a few things that held me back a little bit, like there always is with a lot of this kind of music. Um the voice, I do like her voice, but again, it's another one that I felt needed a bit more, a bit more bite, and I felt like um, the performance sometimes was on a, a bit of a similar register, and I felt that sometimes the songs didn't quite have the emotional impact that they could have. Um, and like Sam said, I also think that um, she is in a long line of people doing this emotional bedroom pop at the minute. But um, I, on the other side of that, when I first the first few listens to it, I, I felt like okay, this is just going to be okay. But the songs really stuck in my head, um, quite a few of them. And I wanted to go back and listen to them. Songs like Best, I Know It Won't Work, Amelie, and Where Do We Go Now, they all really stuck with me. And they do have more emotional weight than just being a throwaway pop song. So 
yeah, I, I I did quite like it. It was only today that I found out that she was J.J. Abrams' kid, which is weird. Um, and it was only today that I found out that it was an Aaron Dessner album. I kind of think slightly differently to um, Sam on the Aaron Dessner element because I have thought Aaron Dessner. Look, Aaron Dessner is my favorite band of all time. Of course, I like a lot of his a lot of the stuff that he does, but I have felt that the albums that he's done with Taylor Swift and with Hannah George and with another few people, they sound the same. Other music sounds the same, and it's just got a different singer over the top. And I actually don't think this does sound like an Aaron Dessner produced album as much as a lot of the others. I feel like um, you can hear you can hear it to a degree, but not in the same degree. It's a very much it's a Gracie Abrams album, and it's better because of that. It doesn't sound exactly like all of the other ones that he's produced recently. So, yeah, I kind of think it was interesting to learn that it was an Aaron Dessner album. Interesting to learn that she's JJ Abrams' kid. I kind of hope she's not totally written off. Because of that, yeah, yeah, I do think this, this album shows a lot yeah, of talent. Um, definitely, but yeah, but yeah, she's um, and yeah, an interesting one. What about you, Matt? I, yeah, I, I, I'm gonna hit the same tone as you guys. Really, I, I think it is. Uh, I, I liked it. It did grow on me a lot during the the t- time that I was with it. Um, but I have that kind of repeated sentiment of I, I'm thinking it's more like Aaron Desner meets Boy Genius and um mm. that that kind of vibe and it is that saturation we're having at the moment of albums mm. i don't know if it's just the ones we're covering it um, is a lot of that i think yeah it's very yeah. in our brand <laughs> yeah you can't yeah, talk about boy genius because they're on the next episode so don't, don't yeah and so that'll be a i think it'll be an interesting discussion for next time as well but it does mm. i don't know who knows like 10 years from now whether we'll be looking back of it in the same way as like indie landfill, like that kind mm. of era, or yeah. whether we'll have a bit more positive feelings. I think either way though, I think this, if like, if we were to write that hypothetical article about this time period, this is going to be one of the, the better albums. I think I, I mm. there were a lot of interesting parts about it that I uh, enjoyed. And there were some specific songs like, like uh, Fran point, pointed out best, I think that had a bit more atmosphere and the synths and a darker tone. It was more, more Lana Del Rey than some of the other things we've been talking about. Or Where Do We Go Now, which also Fran mentioned, which had this kind of extra pep with that kind of metronomic electronic beat track in the back. And it had so it had some of these extra elements which kind of made it stand out. I think, um, but yeah, we'll see. I like I I liked it well enough, but I, yeah, I'm not sure I'll go back to it. Will, do you think from listening to that that maybe you just don't listen to as much bedroom pop as us on the podcast? <laughs> it's all we ever listen to. So, no, I, I mean, I think that the comparisons like are definitely like those those two Taylor Swift records. Like as soon as I started listening to this, I was like, mm. that was exactly the thing that came to mind. I think all mm. of the all of the points that you made. I think I think I have I've been in a phase of listening to a lot of super heavy stuff recently, and so mm. like I haven't been as saturated by that kind of stuff. So maybe just the sort of the difference and the unfamiliarity has made me be a bit kinder to it. I don't know. Um, but I think all of your points are, are totally landing with me. Well, we hope, hope we haven't put you off. You'll have to look. <laughs> um, all right. On to Sam for a question. Sam, which album did you think was the lightest? Yeah. So I think it was an interesting one to pick one from this, but I've gone with the classic um, okay. Guided by Voices, B thousand. Um, I, I think this. I think this is just such a fascinating album 
to mm. cover on the podcast to kind of talk about because it's kind of like an album out of space and time. I just, it makes absolutely no sense. Like this album <laughs> has no place to be released in the 80s and it has no place coming from America. And I'm like, I don't really understand what's going on um, <laughs> with this album, but it's so bright and breezy and airy and so unserious um, that it's just really lighthearted and fun to listen mm. to, which is so interesting because the the songs themselves are kind of played with this such, it's like nonchalance, like like it's just so... We're just going. We're just having a good time playing this music, and um, it must have sounded wild when it was released to be making music like this. That is just made sounds like it was made in the sixties, and yet has so many ideas and so many weird moments and kind of chopping and changing. Um, uh, it's it's a really good it's really good as an album and really good as a listen um the songs are just like so quick and they, they mm. just kind of riff through them and um but i think thematically it's really interesting and it keeps you really hooked as a listener um nothing really stays around long enough to leave kind of a really lasting impression but then every time i go back those little like moments would really stand out it was like i liked the songs that would seem to just be like just a hook and then onto the next thing um and obviously some of it sounds very much like the beatles some of it sounds like the kinks <laughs> it's like the you, there's wearing your influences on your sleeve and then there's like we are the beatles like it's like a tribute band <laughs> which it it's so blatant that it's quite like nice to see them be so blatant with it it's quite like refreshing that they're not just pretending but then i, I, I was sat there going but this then sounds like the the music that then was then influenced by mm. this as well as that old stuff. Like I was, I was hearing it and I'm like, I can hear like Alex Turner singing this song and I can hear like, <laughs> like this like Britpop aspect of it. And I'm like, but who the hell are these people? These random musicians that are just making <laughs> this music. So as a classic, this was so fun to listen to and so interesting and wild um and i have no idea if anyone else would will like it at all <laughs> but yeah. what about you matt uh this really annoyed me really <laughs> i so we, we we're coming from this from the last time we covered sonic youth which was one of my favorite in a while which came out in 88 and this came out in 94 and it just feels like such a weird throwback Mm. Um, the recorded the hazy fuzz over all the recording it it just makes it feel like yeah they're trying to make it seem like it's recorded so so long ago but it's it feels all like that it pretend and make believe um i'm sure it's part of the point but the kind of drone of it doesn't really charm me it just made me want them to have better mics <laughs> uh, and like considering it i don't know and D D demons are real one of the songs had some of the worst noises in music i've really ever heard <laughs> With the, 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 they had some like squealing or something and it, every time it came on i was like i'm gonna turn this down i'm just gonna skip this song um considering it's 35 minutes long i did feel like it dragged a little bit 
But that is because every, all of the songs were, yeah, like Sam said, they came and went so quickly. Uh, one minute, two minute, at most three minute songs, really. And so it found, I found it hard to get purchase into the album. Um, I think the only songs that I really liked um, had a bit more simplicity and clarity um, because they didn't have as much stuff going on. And so the haziness wasn't overwhelming. Um, so things like I am a scientist. I, really I knew like... you were going to, I knew that was going to be your <laughs> yeah. favorite song. Just because you did science uh, at university doesn't mean that you have to like every song. It is also, scientist. it's not just because of this. It is that simplicity. <laughs> it has clarity and like similarly echo, echoes. And it says own, the word science in it. Yeah. Um, had a kind of interesting singer guitar combo and they kind of complimented each other. But yeah, I can walk around singing. I am a scientist and <laughs> it means something to me. Wearing your I like science t-shirt. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it's well to think that Brit rock, Brit, like Brit pop was getting kicked off at the same time as this album mm. came out. Mm. Which, yeah. yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't feel fresh or vital or anything like that. But hey. Is that you? Yeah. Will? I really liked it. Um, to, and there's so much about it that shouldn't work. And I wonder if part of the reason why the records kind of lionize so much is because of the like story around it being made and like pe people love a good story for like classic albums and like oh this is unusual this is different and and it is like a totally wild story for a record that has ended up being like quite an influential one what is one that's off so basically like the guy i can't remember his name but it's basically like one guy who had like a revolving cast of, of people that he would just sort of jam with and play with. Okay. Um, and he's like a teacher. Um, and I think they'd done like two or three albums before this. And then he basically just got fed up with like how expensive it was to make records and the interference of like when you were having to record through record labels. So like the reason why so much of this sounds so like madly ropey is loads of it is just like demo takes that they did in their mm -hmm. rehearsal yeah. space. Um, and it's just like mates of his, they're all just doing like normal jobs. It's basically just like mates getting together. They pretty much, a lot of the songs are, are that it's the first time of them properly playing them through. And so, so I wonder if that story has become sort of mythologized. And so like pe people go, oh, well, it's this fascinating story. And it shouldn't work. Like it, it's mad when you sort of you go, well, there's this like terrible production, and there are some bits where it's like the guitar will just randomly cut out halfway through <laughs> and then come yeah. back in again. And 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 it, and 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 there's so much about it. And some of the lyrics are just on the sort of the the, the ridiculous side of of kind of nonsensical and sort of psychedelic, and and it's so clearly aping all of those sort of British invasion bands. But at the same time, there's just something really charming about it. And like the melodies are brilliant. And I think, you know, anyone can write songs that kind of sound beautiful when you've got incredible production and the best producers and, and all this kind of stuff. But I think to bring through the the kind of the melodic side of it with the really sort of gnarly production that's there is a sort of testament to the quality of a lot of the songwriting. Um, I don't think it's like every song is brilliant. And I, I kind of, I almost thought of it more like a mixtape than an album and like there's that sense of like chucking stuff everything at the wall and seeing what will stick and like some of the songs land some of them don't but they're done after like a minute so it's kind of like whatever um but i think the moments where it really gels it's 
weirdly, oddly compelling. Um, and I think the sort of muddiness of the production actually sometimes kind of works. It gets this almost dro droney, sort of almost shoegazy kind of feel to some of the songs that I found quite hypnotic. Um, and yeah, I really liked it. Mm. Okay, that's, well, that's really interesting hearing that story because it kind of explains some of what was yeah. going on with the album being as sort of all over the place. But for me personally, it was, I, I feel the same as, as Will and Sam in a way. I thought it was all over the place in a good way. Um, but yeah. the weird thing is that like Sam's just picked all these bands that he heard. And, and I've listed loads of bands that I heard, but none of them are the same bands. Um, <laughs> like It feels to me like when I was listening to this, I felt like Idlewild have clearly been really influenced by... Hmm. Guided by Voices. There's some moments of this that sound really like Idlewild. There's a couple of tracks that I thought sounded really like Neutral Milk Hotel, um, which I thought was particularly interesting because Neutral Milk Hotel fans think that that band emerged out of nowhere and created this new sound. And I'm like, here's this band from two years previous doing it less obnoxiously. So yeah, there's that. And then and then there were times when I thought it sounded really Nirvana-y. Like there was the, the song Smothered in Hugs felt like a proper grunge song um and i know they were contemporaries rather than influence but um but yeah I, I thought it was really interesting and i think it sounds like it's really influential i think like you go from a song like um hot freaks that sounds like it's influenced bands like primal scream there's the nirvana music and then a, a short song like yours to keep is really beautiful as well um and then it is funny and, and fun like sam was saying i think Kicker of Elves, for example. <laughs> he just says, do, 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 Kicker of Elves for most of the song. But I loved it. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a really interesting lesson, and I am really glad we covered it. Um, I didn't think I was going to like it just because of a couple of songs I have heard of them, by them. Um, so, yeah, it's one that I'll listen to again, which is, again, rare with a classic. So I think Matt's wrong on this occasion. Is it seems like it. The final. Maybe. Well, no. I was about to say maybe I should give it a listen again, but, uh, but no, I'm okay. I don't want to. No. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we'll stick with you, Matt, for the last question of my free kickoff questions. Ooh, okay. So, which album made the best use of light and shade? Uh, so I found this like a really hard question because I didn't find that anyone was using Good. light and shade that well. <laughs> <laughs> To be, honest. to be honest, I just came up with the darkness and lightness questions. Then I was yeah. like, what can I do for Matt? So this is what you got. But I, I'm going to go with uh, the Caroline Polachek album because cool. it has light, shade, and everything in between jammed in this album all at once. Um, it's kind of beguiling to, to listen to because it has so many different influences and mixes of ideas. Mm. Um but at the same time, it's like it maintains it's very, it feels very contemporary. Um, like the opening album, uh, Welcome to My Island, it's just such an like instant catchy song, and it feels like it has a, a bingo card for all the things that are like in contemporary pop music with this kind of speak singing and the 80s vibe and some drum machines, and then big vocals at points, and then some little disco guitars as well. And um, so it. It yeah, it felt like like an easy easy kind of um, easy win almost. They were going for like the kind of obvious things that are around at the moment. But that said, as the as the album kind of goes on, there's more and more influences, and it's just it's. I found it really confu confusing, <laughs> um, especially when you get to the songs like "Vocals in Sunset," which is just like um, 
I quite like it, but the, there's some crazy high notes within it. And then it's almost like Naughty's like Latino music with Shakira yeah. or something. Um, with the kind of the way the folk guitar is being played. Um, and then we get to a Grimes and Dido collaboration. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which has, for some reason, it has like a drum and bass beat behind it. I, 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 I don't know what Dido's been up to, to be honest, but um, <laughs> it was it was quite nice to hear her voice. Like she, I think she had the best voice of the three on the song. Um, Interesting. And so, like all up until that point, I was really quite engaged with the album, um, all all through that kind of first two thirds, um, and I found it really, uh, yeah, like really engaging. It's very catchy. There's tons of hooks. Um, I think Bunny is a writer is also like that's a I think it must be a big song um but um I've had that on a playlist for like a year that Mary uh, mm-hmm. my wife made for me um she put it on a biking playlist for me last summer so I've been I feel like I like that song already and it's got an unfair advantage because of like all the endorphins I have associated with it um and so the real the real shame of the album I feel like is the last four or five songs are just really not that interesting and so it has mm-hmm. all of that Inter- like stuff happening and melding at the front and then they're just like nothing at the end um but it it was definitely the album i one of the albums i enjoyed the most listening to i think on the playlist okay uh, yeah yeah i'll jump in um yeah, yeah. i think interesting because we covered pang um which i don't know if that's a previous album or if yeah. it's had some since yeah um, we covered that when we did the albums we should have covered but didn't episode. And I feel like it kind of got lost in a lot of really good albums. Um, I feel like it was considered her best work, but that we kind of thought it was okay other than a few yeah. standout moments. Um, for me, this album was in a totally different league to that one. Um, I feel like all the good things that were hinted at on that one were really realised here. I think the songs are catchier. I think they're more meaningful. I think the performance is better. Um, I think last time we talked about her connection to Christine and the Queens, and I think that influence is even influence of their work together is even clearer here. But for me, I enjoyed this more than anything that Christine and the Queens have released recently. I felt like this has gone more in a direction that appeals to me. And I think it gets. I think Matt's just nailed it in terms of the the two halves of the album. Though it gets off to such a good start. Welcome to my island. Impossible and Bunny as a Rider are really good pop songs with a dark edge. So I do think there's some light and shade there, Matt, just to put you right on that comment. <laughs> um, but I don't, yeah, it doesn't man- maintain those standards throughout. I think Sunset and Crew Drawing of an Angel are still really good, but they're less captivating. I think the Grimes and Dido song is a mess. Um, and it's just <laughs> such a weird anomaly. I don't understand it. When I saw you pick this album, Sam, I was like, there's a Grimes and Dido song. I know it was Will that picked it, wasn't it? Will picked it. Yeah, sorry. Um, when I saw that that song was on there, I was like, this is going to be a nightmare. But it turned out that was only one of the only nightmares, really. Butterfly Net was a bit too dramatic for me. But then I thought it got a bit back on track with the last song. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was really good um, with some you know, some lows, but mostly highs. I think it, she's. I'm much more interested in her now after this one than I was with the last one. Um, so, yeah. What about you, Sam? Yeah, yeah. Um... I think I'll I'll keep it simple. This yeah. is the best album of the year so far. Is it for sure? Wow. This is wow. you're you're completely right about it, Fran. Being a step up, 
to me, mm. this is just mm. night and day. Like, I think I enjoyed Pang the most of us all, and mm. it didn't leave the lasting impression on any of us. But this is just, this is a phenomenal pop record. And I, wow. I'm i amazed that she's managed to kind of deliver this level of... Um, of step up from the last one. I think it's musically diverse in a great way. I think lyrically it's so detailed and thrilling throughout. I don't think that, I don't think there's a single moment of this album that isn't, that doesn't deserve its place. That isn't great. Um, like the idea of me considering an album of the year contender being that has Dido on it. Like I don't think you realize <laughs> he's like on my list of like top three most, detested artists really? ever um but yeah even that song is great and I, I think like the spanish guitar and sunset i love i love that it just it just has this kind of like real kind of like mid-2000s aesthetic mm. to that sound like the chaotic energy of other songs like welcome to my island and i think like something like i believe is a real soaring moment and i think it really I think Carolyn Polachek's shining as like a pop star. And I, I think I think the thing for me is is you mentioned the kind of influence of the other people that she's worked mm. with. And I think that is what's driven her to this point. After Pang, she's the people she kind of fell in with. So like your Charlie XCXs and Christina Queens and um kind of these other artists that were in a kind of more either in like a hyper pop lane or a or the kind of like art pop lane of like Christine and the Queens. She's managed to kind of like fuse the two in the, in between. And I, I feel like she's made, she's kind of leapfrogged all of them to, mm. to with this album. I, I think it's just a phenomenal album. It's honestly, it's floored me since the day I listened to it. Wow. Um, I like, I was in, I was indifferent to her before this i feel like in terms of how big the change has been like i bought tickets to see her i i'm like wow. if i will be shocked if this isn't in my top three of the year if not lasts the whole time because i i just think this is a phenomenal album um mm. and yeah i it, front to back love it absolutely nice. love it. well no point asking awesome. you what your favorite on the playlist was later than yeah um, <laughs> good stuff will where did you land yep yeah, I really liked it. Um, I think that observation about the sort of um, the the callback to the kind of noughties pop on Sunset, I think I'd even take that further and say that throughout the record, it sort of does this thing of sounding really contemporary, but also having all of these callbacks to yeah. various different strains of pop from that time. So like on, I believe, I think it was, there were these big sort of almost bell sounding synths on the chorus that almost sounded like they could have been on like a Steps song from that time. There was like, <laughs> mm. there was there was shades of loads of different sort of, there was a song that sounds like the cause near the end. I think it was maybe Blood and Butter or, mm. or, or one of those ones. There was this like bagpipesy bit kind of came in. And so it, it feels like, and like she's covered, um, I can't remember which cause song it is, but she did a cover of it. Um, in in like very sort of Caroline Polachek kind of way, um, so it feels like it's kind of marrying that like very contemporary pop sound with harking back to those other things, but without it feeling like a really glaring um, mm-hmm. kind of clash. I just thought it was brilliant. I think this 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 the songwriting was 
fantastic big choruses really interesting songs not all operating in the same kind of lane like she, she can do really sort of big songs but then there were ones that felt more restrained and where you're mm. really you're catching like a little vocal line here and there or there's like a whistle or just these odd little sounds that just sort of entrance you like it feels like it can kind of do everything operate in so many um kind of different ways on there um i even thought like when i hadn't realized when i sort of suggested the record that there was a collaboration with both grimes and dido on there <laughs> and and when you pointed it out i was like oh goodness and it's <laughs> it's kind of both exactly what you would expect a song featuring the three of them to sound like and and not at all and it shouldn't work like it's got that kind of drum and bass beat on it it's got dido kind of doing what dido does on every single dido song somewhat at odds with the other bits and yet it's really compelling and like really got under my skin so I, she's just got this sort of alchemy alchemical kind of way of weaving all these different influences together that really shouldn't work and just kind of molding them into something that's really really captivating and just really holds your attention well pretty universal praise yeah. i'd love to know how that came about though, Dido and Graham song. Like, what? <laughs> who started that conversation? They feel, they do feel like very different spheres that they're Bizarre, operating different, in. Different times, different spheres, different everything. But anyway, so pretty pretty well liked. Um, okay, so while we're talking about callbacks to the nineties, then I'll kick us off on the Paramore album. <laughs> this is why. Um, but yeah, just to start off, I think I, I picked this for a couple of reasons, really, and one is that I don't think I've ever knowingly heard a Paramore song before and that felt like a bit of a gap I suppose, um, they're a pretty big deal um, and the other is that I'd really enjoyed the Hayley Williams solo albums that my friend introduced me to, I, I, I like them quite a lot um, but I didn't expect to like this album um, I suppose what I know about them made me think I'd probably find them quite boring um, you know, a bit of stadium filler pop punk that sounds a bit a bit, a bit snorefest but the album was a real shock, I, I Again, I think I thought it was really good. I think there's something really raw about this album. Um, I think the percussion is outstanding throughout. It really drives the album, and there's just so much energy. Um, and I think it starts brilliantly. I think um, the to the title song and the first song is it fantastic. She just sounds so angry on it, um, but like a controlled anger, which I thought was really good. Um, the news is really good too, um, and big man, little dignity. And one thing that really, the more I listened. The music actually reminded me of early Block Party. Um, I think like there's the same aggression, the same jaggy guitars as, as sort of there was on Silent Alarm. Um, and I don't think that's what this band have always sounded like, Paramore. Obviously, I've not heard them before, but I've, I, I, I imagine this is a bit of a change. I'm sure you guys will be able to tell me if I'm right or not. Um, but yeah, so I really enjoyed it. I think it's, it's a shame that on the tour they're playing Manchester Arena because I can't imagine going to see this there i think it will get totally lost but i would have loved to have seen this album live because i think it's really fun and really energetic um i do think you know just so i'm not being too positive um the downside is probably the lyrics i do think the lyrics are quite cliched and a little immature at times um but not not always and i don't think in the end it matters that much because it's just a fun energetic listen that i that quite surprised me so i think in the end it doesn't um doesn't matter too much that the lyrics are a bit shit at times um so yeah who wants to who wants to jump in on paramore 
I, I can go. I, I think yeah. it's funny that you picked up Block Party because they're actually uh, supporting them in their US tour. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Mm, um, but I, I, I didn't necessarily see that. But it, it would, I guess, it would make sense for them to be quite uh, probably influenced by 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 them. Um, but I, I was feeling yeah. like a lot of the album. I got a lot of Wolf Alice vibes, and so I was, I was like, oh, maybe Fran won't like this because he hated Wolf Alice. Yeah. It's definitely better than Wolf Alice. Yeah, but it it feels it feels a little um more a little bit more middle of the road and a little bit more like um older Wolf Alice, I'd say. Mm. Um, but I overall, yeah, like un- pretty unsurprisingly, I really liked this album. It's very fun pop rock, um, which is kind of down really down my alley, especially the front half, which is like very high energy. Um, for me, it's a little again a little less engaging towards the end. But like, hey, sometimes you got to do some slow songs. I get that. Um, it's just not always uh, <laughs> going to be my bag. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, like this is why. Yeah, I can see the block party comparison because of those stuttered guitars and mm. and the kind of sing along chorus, which does very much feel like um, early noughties indie rock. Um, and it, yeah, it is does feel. Like sometimes we talk about an album, we say oh, it feels really dated, or it feels old, or if. Um, but this this managed like similar to the Carolyn Polachek, I think it's it's wearing its uh, influences on its sleeve, and it's maybe less ambitious with what it's infusing together, but mm. it's still managing to be effective and engaging and uh, fun to listen to, without it feeling boring. Um, so yeah, I, I I generally generally really liked it. The the only time I was like, oh, I'm not not super super into it was um, I think oh, I forgot what the song, but is uh, maybe out, is it out of time or something? Running out of time, which is mm. I, I think at the begin it's like the third song or something. Or the yeah, there song. is one mm. called something like that. Yeah, and there's a moment where it, where it gets like there's some really like funky guitars which feel very cheesy. Um. And that was just at times, certain certain days, I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with this." And other days, I was like, "Oh, <laughs> this is too much cheese for me right now." But um, yeah, I think that was a big hit for me. Did you know them before that? I've only like like a lot of people. I um, I know Misery Business, and that's mm-hmm. it. <laughs> uh, which I feel like probably doesn't doesn't really count because everyone's heard of Misery Business. I have not heard of France, probably. I'm, sh- yeah, I'm sure heard. you've even heard you it. Have accidentally heard it. it. I might have accidentally yeah. heard it, but I don't, not yeah. knowingly. Um, what about, let's go to Will. What do you think, Will? I was a bit more on the fence about this. Um, I, I, I have got a CD copy of Riot somewhere, the first record, the one with Misery Business on it, and then I've not listened to a kind of note that they've recorded since. And um, so this is obviously like quite a, a different record to that. But, you know, I think that record came out in 2007 or whatever. There's, they've done a lot in the time since then. Um, I was kind of, it was, it was funny, this morning I was sort of going over my thoughts, working out what I was kind of going to say. And I was almost overwhelmingly quite kind of negative about this record and then actually I was listening to it a few more times I was sort of wandering around today and a few of the songs started to click a bit more for me I just found myself a bit bored listening to it just found it I found it a little bit tasteful it was a little bit like 
a band kind of going right well we're known for this like not particularly critically acclaimed quite kind of youthful style of music let's show that we've got some more sort of sophisticated influences and like you can you can kind of hear i didn't necessarily get the block party kind of influence but like you can hear there was one song i can't remember one that sort of sounded a little bit like talking heads and mm. like and there was there, there there's quite a sort of new wave influence on a few of the tracks and it all but it all just felt a little bit kind of a little bit tasteful a little bit safe i was like oh it's kind of interesting it's well put together but it just wasn't grabbing with me and the songs just weren't kind of sticking around in my head and then today i think it was you first and maybe liar with the two that I was like, oh, okay, no, like actually there is something a bit more interesting here, but overall, like so far, it's definitely like, I'll go back and give it another go, but I would say overall, I'm, I'm a, a bit more underwhelmed than the rest of you. I, I, I think with it, it hasn't, it didn't do enough to sort of demand my attention or to kind of stick around. I didn't find the songwriting that memorable on it. That, that's okay. That's allowed. It's, it's good to have some disagreement. We can quite agree today, haven't we, sir? Yeah. Um, it's good to disagree. Sam, yeah, I know you, you like them before, right? So. Yeah, I, I'm surprised. I thought Matt was going to be like kind of the one who knew their music the most, but I think it's me, um, mm. which yeah. I'm surprised by. I This was actually one of my most anticipated albums of the year going into this year because the opening song, This Is Why, was one of my favorite songs of last year i just that's that to me is the best that paramore have ever sounded i think i think it's just so immediate that song so immediately kind of fiery and for me it's the their their, their last album i think it was in like 2015 maybe it was after that 2016 or something um after laughter was kind of like a pop turn for them where they, they kind of, they'd gone further into the kind of pop punk and kind of tried to go a bit more heavy each time. Then had, then sort of had that complete 180 turn back to pop with their previous album to that. So they, they kind of had two really big like pop releases in a row. And this feels like to me an album that's kind of like, the greatest hits it feels like it's as in kind of like a victory lap for their whole career Mm. it feels like this is going to be their biggest tour that they've ever been on like they're celebrating their whole sound they've kind of reclaimed ownership of their older stuff in terms of they're not kind of worried about being seen as being dated because that's the current sound right now so they're Mm. kind of they've got they've like honed in on it and I, I feel like this, to me, is the best Paramore album. I, I think mm-hmm. they've, they've never sounded more confident. I think Hayley Williams doing those solo records has really helped. I think she's got way more confidence in her, the way that she's delivering these songs and the, emo- the emotive aspect of it. I think the opening run of songs is phenomenal. I think the news is great. I like running out of time, but I do get that that's probably the poppiest thing here. Um. Mm. I like that track as well. I think Big Man Little Dignity is is great and it, it's a real nice extreme against um Seikom Sa, which feels like the two kind of very extreme levels of the album. Um I the, there's a lyric on Crave that's that's very like it's pure Haley Williams and I, like I romanticize even the worst of times when all it took to make me cry was being alive. 
Like that is just like pure Hayley Williams there. And I think other than the title track, I think You First is probably the best song here. And and you picked out the the kind of percussion, Fran. I think mm. I think Zach Farrow's drumming on this album is is huge, and it just really makes the whole thing. And I, I think it's something that was missing on their previous couple of albums, where they kind of pivoted back to pop. I think this has kind of returned them to the kind of percussion first sound that um, that really really works. It's, I, I hate. I feel like I'm liking everything, but it's I <laughs> this. I, I, I <laughs> We've just, got one album to come, mate. I, so. I think. Um, I think it manages to sound fresh, but manages to sound so Paramore when mm. everyone else is trying to sound like Paramore to the point where Haley Williams is managing to get writing credits on songs she didn't write and things like that. So <laughs> they were kind of it. It does feel like the definitive Paramore album to me, and um, I I will be listening to this for the rest of the year. I'm sure. Nice, nice. Bloody hell, we are a positive bunch My today. God, I hope yeah. someone doesn't like... I imagine at least one person doesn't like this final one, but I'm, I'm going to ask Will to kick us off with Pigs times seven, please. I really liked it, and I sense that this this might be a divisive record today. <laughs> I mean, As I was listening to it, I was thinking... Uh, my partner was working upstairs. I was like, uh, if this is drifting through the floorboards, she will be absolutely hating this. Um, <laughs> Uh, it, it is a weird album and like it's definitely not going to be I would say not only not Ed to everyone's taste probably not to most people's taste but it's got it's got a lot of what I love about it about kind of heavier music like it's it's got that some of the songs have that kind of stoner rock sort of feel to them then there's ones that go like really heavy and there's a kind of doom metal feel to them but then it's also, like it's not po-faced. Like that, I th- I think, or certainly my take on it is that there's a kind of nudge, nudge, wink, wink kind of sense of humour to it all. Like they recognise how ridiculous the band name is, and 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 I think the best of of kind of metal and it, it, sort of extreme music like this commits itself very seriously to music whilst also recognising the kind of inherent ridiculousness of it. And I, I kind of felt that they they trod that that kind of line really well i think the lyric vocally it sound it reminded me a lot of um lemmy from motorhead and Hmm. i really enjoyed that and then at times also reminded me of the band uh, sleep and their record dope smoker um yeah there were definitely like it's not like an album that is just completely copying sort of other bands but it definitely there were there, there were sort of call outs to that there were touches of like orange goblin and uh electric wizard uh, at points as well you can tell us um, into this genre can't you yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is named a load of bands i've it's never made up people in my life. <laughs> yeah they're not actually real bands at all um <laughs> but yeah like I, I for me it was just a really fun sort of full throttle heavy album um and i just i just found it a really exhilarating listen so yeah it was a sort of big thumbs up from me Nice, nice. I'm looking for some disagreement. Sam or Matt, anyone want to argue? Sam can go. I assume you're going to think that I'm going to disagree. I'm assuming you. I was, I mean, like, (laughs) when Matt picked this, I was, like, fully ready to just copy and paste my normal notes from the last episode. (laughs) Oh, Matt's picked another album. Oh, it's another shouty man. Oh, my God. Um, But I really enjoyed this. Um, (laughs) Really? (laughs) 
fuck yeah. up. Will's, Will's bang on with it, where there's a Jesus. very specific energy to this album where I don't they don't take themselves seriously at all mm. because they know that this is so over the top. It's very kind of like campy and like they're, they're in on it because they mm. they know how ridiculous this all is. The, the riffs that these the, the guitars are doing is just so silly at times that it's hard to not kind of be engaged with it. To me, it sounded like a kind of coherent version of Black Sabbath, where it's like <laughs> kind of like you can kind of understand what's going on, but it kind of had that vibe to me. Um, I think I, I picked out, I really liked Pipe Down and I think Big Rig is probably the best track. Mm-hmm. Um, that song really develops and kind of like changes your perception of what's going on. Um, yeah, to me, this sounds like this is probably like a more commercial step for them or a move into that. I might be completely wrong. I've never listened to Pigs, Pigs, Pigs before. Um, so I wonder what like the real fans of like the, their first album or whatever think because i think if i'm liking this maybe it's not the record that they were wanted but um yeah i i, I found myself enjoying this um and i, like I know a that... parallel universe here i don't i do not understand <laughs> I, I don't know what to say i wanted to be disagreeing and being picky bastard but i'm just yeah wow i this was this was it i quite enjoyed it well well, I just don't <laughs> want a bit too much to speak. Matt, can you talk? <laughs> I'm stunned. Um, yeah, the, I, I thought I've, I was really unsure how everyone was going to respond to all the albums. The only the only one I was sure of is Sam was going to dislike this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's uh, like for me, I was I was a little bit surprised because I, I hadn't listened to any of uh, Pigs Time Seven at all. Um, uh, but I'd seen a lot of recommendations and I've had friends also recommend it to me. And and generally the the vibe of the the recommendation of the people I'm I'm getting it from is much more they're much more into pop rock. And so mm. when I turned this on for the first time, I was like, well, this is <laughs> this is <laughs> I was expecting another paramore like run around. Um but and despite the fact that it was surprising, I, I broadly would say I, I got a lot from the album. I enjoyed it. I agree with everything these guys have said. It's a, it's a steamroller of an album. It, it, it's massive, forceful sounds without any nuance. Um, <laughs> sometimes sometimes it plods a little bit, but then other times like on um, Big Rig, um, which Sam also pointed out as a highlight. It, like it really plays. It has a lot of venom. It plays with the pace in really, like a really fun way, um, and it's like it's aggressive, but in a way that is just yeah, we're just joking. This is just us playing around and shouting each other for fun. Um, so yeah, um, I yeah, I the the only the only thing I would want differently is maybe a slightly less monotone voice for the singer mm. i think and mm. um, compared to some other bands we've covered who do this kind of heavier stuff with a lot of shouting 
uh, they sometimes have a little bit more depth or variation in the voice. And I'd like, I love the texture of his voice. I just, it was, it was like everything. It was all or nothing. <laughs> uh, and sometimes a medium might be nice. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's better. It's better than also much better than what we covered. I think last month with fucked up. You mean, you mean by what you've picked in recent months? Is yeah. what you're trying to say? You're trying to it's, remind us that it's better yeah, than what we're picking. You've not redeemed the... yourself yet. But I, I'm not <laughs> hey, going that far. It's the first but step in rehabilitation. The first step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest surprise at this point is that it sounds like I'm the one who likes pigs, 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 pigs the least. Um, which was definitely not what I expected. I, I did like it, though. I did think it was good. And I, I I have put in my notes that I wanted to just say to Matt that, you know, he did pick another white man rock <laughs> act, but he did manage to find one with a bit of personality and identity this time for the first time in a while. So well done, Matt. Because um, they do have a really unique sound, and I do think you'd, you'd recognise them instantly um, mm. if they came on anyway. You'd know it was them. Um, there's a lot of aggression, a lot of drama. Again, we've all picked out Big Rig. Uh, Big Rig by Pig, 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 Pigs is is great. It goes extremely hard at the start, that song. And then I think I also like the following song, The Weatherman. I think that's yeah. the one that um, has a really slow build to a huge release, which was good. And I liked most of the songs, but I, I suppose where my negative came is that um, I found it very, very samey, extremely samey. Other than those two songs, um, I found it, I struggled to tell one song from the other. I think what well, I'd I'd love to see them live. I think the you know the the power in these songs would would knock would knock you out probably. Um, I'd love to yeah. So I think that'd be great. But as an album, I did get bored quite quickly. Um, but I, I'm really glad we listened to it. Um, I, I really wanted someone to be negative about it because this is one of the most positive episodes we've had in a while. Um, and I like people to moan. But um, but yeah, for this, I'd say this is the album on the list. Surprise that I'm probably least likely to listen to again just because I found it a bit a bit samey in the end. Um but yeah, that's the album. So should we we, we seem to have been pretty positive. Um Will, what did you make of the playlist as a whole? Yeah, like I said, I mean I've sort of been pretty overwhelmingly positive with my feedback on, on virtually all the records. I really mm. liked it. I think it's quite a it's a varied bunch. Like I think you you you'd um there's some quite glaring um, tonal shifts between some of the records but like, <laughs> they, they've, they've all got their own sort of different merits and um, mm. I, had, I had an absolute blast you know I spent the last however many weeks kind of listening to all these records I've really really enjoyed um, spending that time listening to them I think even the Paramore record which was my kind of least favourite I'm sort of starting to like I said there are some songs that starting to click for me so like, mm. none of these felt like a chore or like, I'm listening to this because I'm going to be talking about it but I, I think there was plenty to love about all of them yeah did you have a favourite? Uh, my favourite I'd have to probably go with the Caroline Polachek actually mm. um, I just I just thought it was so it was fully realised in a way that I think the others whilst great weren't quite as fully realised mm. Interesting. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, for me, the play- you're lucky you came in for this playlist, Will, because we've had a really shit run of playlists. It's been really <laughs> well, I listen, bad. I listened I listen to, listen to the last episode and the uh, the castigation for some of the record choices on there. Yeah, yeah, well, it was deserved from that. But this is the this is the first really good playlist we've had, and it was a really good playlist. There wasn't a bad album, um, and there, there was a few that I really liked. I mean, 
you all know I'm a geek and I keep my like album of the year list throughout the year and three of these albums have made it on as like they will they will probably end up in the top 50 so that's pretty pretty positive um so yeah very good playlist and I think probably my favorite was the Paramore weirdly enough um I didn't expect that but yeah Matt is it pigs 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 that miss out it is pigs pigs, pigs 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 that miss out yeah Oh, Grace Abrams uh, yeah. only made it on today. She convinced me today that she deserved the place. But, yeah, time to drop out. There's mm. plenty of time. Um, oh yeah, yeah. This was annoyingly good. <laughs> it was all mm. really good, apart from a one incredibly irritating album, <laughs> which you're all wrong about. <laughs> um, but to be you honest, got one negative. I find the. The classic is always so hit and miss. It's often yeah. a, a love or a hate, and this this time very much a hate for me. Uh, cool, fair enough. You're wrong, but some. I, well, I think it's no surprise that I I think this is my favorite playlist we've ever done, wow. including wow. probably including like the album of the year ones, even though wow, they're heavily nice. weighted towards. I just think in terms of the whole thing, like I would. Mm. I listened to the whole thing and there would never be a single moment I'd go, oh, I've got to listen to this again. It was always, oh, I'm yeah. listening to this album again and I'm enjoying it more than last time. Oh, yeah, this is great. Yeah, I, th- I just think the quality was great this month. So Still think you're laying on pigs, though. Well done. I'm not <laughs> like saying it's like album of the year. It's It's still not really like my thing, but I enjoyed it a lot. So. I think it's the gateway. Maybe it's the Amazing. gateway. Yeah, but we're so far past the gateway. The <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, cool. Um, very positive then. Um, yeah, we've not had that much positivity for a long time. So I suppose that's good. It's, it's weird that it feels disappointing that there's so much positivity, but it, I'm sorry to say that it does for me. Um, but never mind. Let's let's move on. Hopefully there's no negativity <laughs> coming for Will now, though. So. I was about to say this is the time for the uh, times <laughs> yeah. to turn. Saving it all. Yeah, let's see. Maybe we'll all slag you off at the end, but tell us why you love Leonard Cohen, Will. So, for context, I guess, like, for context to this, I have to go back to, I guess, similar sort of time to when I was um, buying the Iron Maiden and the Steps records and all that kind of stuff. Um I had like a, I'm really, I, I got really into best ofs around that time. And I know as someone who like is into music, that is a desperately sort of uncool, it's like a sort of black mark against your name, like liking the best of us. But, you know, when you could kind of afford, you know, my, my sort of pocket money or whatever would stretch to buying a CD a month and you're like, right, best of is like a good, seems like a good investment, get a load of tracks, buy a band. Um, so on the one hand, I had this like very parsimonious kind of well, best of best ofs represent really good deal kind of approach to record buying. But then on the other hand, I'd also had this like slightly chaotic energy of buying records by bands I'd never heard a note of their music, didn't really know <laughs> anything about them. So that number of the beast, the Iron Maiden one, was literally purchased on a whim, and I ended up loving it. But um, so I had this 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 sort of weird conflicting approach to buying CDs. Um, and I remember going in, seeing, I think I'd seen the, the HMV or somewhere like that had like a a um, like a best ofs kind of for a fiver or whatever bin and kind of seeing, seeing Leonard Cohen in there amongst others, not really thinking of it, anything of it. And I remember when I was at um, 
secondary school they used to do this like singing competition every year so they'd get like different groups and they'd have to like different the different houses or whatever would have to sing mm. like a song and one song one 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 of them did um I'm now forgetting what's the name of the the one that Jeff Buckley covered, uh, Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. um, and I remember talking to my mum about it. And she goes, "Oh, the Leonard Cohen song." And I was like, "No, it's it's Jeff Buckley," because it was also at that age where like sort of earnest men with acoustic guitars was the thing that everyone was into at school. And um, and mum being, "I oh, know Leonard Cohen." And I was like, "Oh, I sort of remember seeing that guy in the in the record bin and just on a on a sort of whim buying his greatest hits." Um, but then it was, I think it was divided into two CDs. And rather than doing the obvious thing of, of, of starting chronologically and playing CD one, I think I accidentally managed to get CD two <laughs> out first, which is his like mid eighties to later. Like it's definitely the less critically revered, the less cool stuff. He, he started dabbling in slightly dodgy synth sounds and all this kind of stuff. But I just found myself kind of oddly captivated i loved his voice it's like super deep kind of bassy voice still really kind of poetic lyrics by that point he'd almost changed his deliveries it's almost at that point where it's kind of spoken rather than sung um and so kind of falling in love with with that later stuff went to go and play the first cd and it was scratched and so i couldn't play a single song on it so for a long time i didn't know any of his kind of critically re revered 60s and 70s more folky kind of stuff and um, i just knew the the, the the kind of later on stuff and then flash forward to kind of going to university um and my partner abby is a big um lana cohen fan but conversely she's just kind of really knows the, the first few records, the, mm. the, those kind of ones, and her being like, oh, you've got to listen to like Chelsea Hotel number two or Bird on the Wire and just totally falling in love with that. And it was fascinating because he goes on such a journey as an artist that, you know, he's recording songs. I think his first stuff's like early 60s or whatever. And he was still recording up until like literally just before he died five, you know, how many years, not that long ago, a few years back. 2016, wasn't it? Yeah, and his style just changes so much over that time, whilst also keeping this DNA of, you know, that that real almost poetic. You can tell that he's a poet as well as a, as a kind of musician. That sort of poetic lyricism, that that really captivating sort of deep bassy voice. But he goes from writing these kind of quite jaunty sung sort of folk songs to then this slightly dodgy synth stuff in the eighties, and to then his final record, he's making you know, it, it, it's much more kind of electronic. He's almost kind of speaking in his his delivery. And yet it's all uniquely kind of his, it's still all very much within, it's the work of one artist and it's so distinctive. Like you hear a Leonard Cohen song, you know it's Leonard Cohen straight away. Um, I, I just think there's such, yeah, his songs totally drag you in, whether they're, some of his songs work in that kind of storytelling kind of vein and they really grab you in. With, with, with that and others it's just the sort of mood and, and emotions that he captures but I just yeah I think he's a, a brilliant songwriter and performer and I think sometimes you get people who are brilliant songwriters and I don't love their performance so much or vice versa but I just think he's kind of he's kind of got both ironically I actually really don't like Hallelujah as a song um, <laughs> yeah overall I just think he's such a, a fan, fascinating interesting artist fantastic nice one well is that Anything you want to add, or is that is that you? I think that is my sort of big pitch 
Lovely, lovely. Do you, who do you want to go to? Um, why don't we start with you, Fran? And yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, it's a pretty straightforward one for me. Um, I, I'm a massive Leonard Cohen fan um, myself. So this was, yeah, this was great. Um, and your playlist was was great. Um, he's, he's been someone I've listened to on and off for years. Um, but he's one of them that, you know, I, I suppose as a lot of artists, when you listen to as much new music as we do, you sometimes forget to listen to the old classics that you love. Um, so it was great to get that time. Um, he's got everything I love in an artist. You know, he's lyrically exceptional. He's a great storyteller. He's got a really classic gravelly voice. And like you mentioned, it changing over time. You, you know how I feel about those sort of voices. Um, I think, yeah, having the chronological playlist really does show how that voice developed. And, and by the time he gets to You Want It Darker, which you included, um, that, he just he sounds fantastic. And that, I, that was actually my favourite album by him, um, which is kind of amazing to say that he did it the year he died. Um, just love that album. Um, and I think it's also clear how influential how influential he's been on a lot of the artists that I love. Um, you know, there'd be no the national. There would be a very different Nick Cave if it wasn't for Leonard Cohen. I think you know that he's a big influence on a lot of my favorite artists. Um, I don't think there's loads more for me to say because I, I love him. It's been good to hear another fan talk about why they love him. But I did think it's worth mentioning that this is actually this is the first time an artist has been used for two why I love sections on the podcast. Um, I don't know if Matt and Sam will remember, but Nermal actually spoke about um, Leonard Cohen, uh, one of the original podcast team, in, in I think the second or third episode of the podcast. So it's, it's the first, there's no there's no point to me telling you that. I just think it's quite interesting that he's we finally come around to a second uh, a second inclusion. Um, but yeah, my, my final point would be just that I think everybody should like Leonard Cohen, and. Yeah. There aren't many artists, there aren't many people who I'd say this about. If, if people don't like Lily Cohen, I do judge them harshly for it. Um, <laughs> I don't think those people should be trusted. Um, so let's see what, if, if Sam or if someone <laughs> might want to out themselves as wrong. That um, would be a turn, wouldn't it? If we just went, yeah, and you're, yeah. you're done with us forever. You'd never yeah. talk to us again. I would not trust you. Um, but No, it it's weird Sam- that like, given his influence on so many artists that I I enjoy, mm. um, it's weird that I just have never, ever given him any time. Like, I've never listened to him at all. Like, yeah. um, I've, I've never sat down and listened to a whole album. Um, so I was a really big fan of this playlist. It, I thought it worked really well, um, showing that development. I, th- I think I, I, I find that fascinating that from even from this set of songs it feels like someone who was so sure of himself as a as a songwriter and an artist that embedding himself in the culture of the current day was obvious like it mm-hmm. that, that's the that's what i get from these songs that those songs that you as you go into the 80s i found them so interesting because a lot of a lot of artists that I even artists that are probably inspired by Leonard Cohen wouldn't be seen to be trying to be not trying to be commercial, but but kind of going down that path for their career mm. of of just going, I'm trying all of this because I'm a musician and this is what I do. And yeah, every single one of those, I, f- I thought some of them songs were really interesting. Um, and I, I like everybody knows, I, I I really thought that song was really fascinating to listen to, um, 
I think famous blue raincoat was probably my highlight of the whole thing. Um, I hadn't realized how much Laura Marling rips that song off on about mm. two of her songs that I, that come to mind. Um, and I'm like, he better have a writing credit on that. It's literally the same. <laughs> um, but but that she's someone who obviously I love and that pulls from Leonard Cohen so much. And it's kind of so obvious to me as soon as I started listening to this. Um, so yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it. Really glad. And I, I need to dive into a few of the albums, I think. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I'd open that. And I, so I'd actually listened a little bit to Leonard Cohen. I re- like, I hadn't listened to him at all. And then You Want It Darker came out and I got obsessed with that specific album. And then I had kind of dug back a little bit, but I'd only heard the like classics as you, you were saying, Will. And so it was really interesting, this playlist to get all the kind of the interstitial parts that I'd missed like the dodgy synths you were talking about and uh <laughs> i really 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 enjoyed those songs and specifically on on the list like uh the, the songs from like i'm your man um i really really enjoyed as like a new find for me um and also the um yeah the kind of the as you've mentioned hearing his voice change over time was just like it was a really really like clear how how it was like dropping to this point where he was in you want it darker and it it's really interesting to see someone age in that way um but still maintain their kind of character and that and the clarity of what they're trying to say and the the music um but yeah yeah i i overall it was uh it was a really great playlist it felt like it was catered very nicely for me because there was so much I, it was someone I I know I liked, but and hadn't had the chance or someone to walk me through some of the 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 bits that I was missing uh, in my knowledge beyond the top top ten on Spotify. So it was uh, yeah, it was really really great. Um, so thanks. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Will. Well, there we go. Anyone you come back with anything? Yeah, I think just I think going on the his voice changing thing. I think what I love about it so much is like you get so many of these acts whose voices change and they kind of try and shy away from it and hide it. Mm -hmm. And he kind of goes the other way and makes it a central part of his sound. He goes like, rather than, you know, I've I've been to see goodness knows how many bands who are sort of, you know, three decades or whatever into their career and they're playing their songs down the octave, trying to do everything to kind of hide the fact that the song's changing. He's like, right, no, this is actually, I'd argue by the end, like his voice is almost as an important kind of instrument, like sound part of that, of that whole sound. And he goes, right, he kind of builds it all around it. And I just, I love that, that sense of experimentation and playfulness where he goes, right, this isn't a limitation. Yeah, I am changing, but like, let's work with it. Let's go in a different direction with it. Yeah. It would be interesting to hear some of his older songs with his, uh, well, it can't anymore, but it would have been interesting. There's, there's to, live footage. You can hear that. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's plenty of live. I mean, when when he died, um, same year as, as Bowie and yeah. various other people, and I, I watched an awful lot of footage of him um, later, like later gigs that he did. And yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. I, I kind of think of Dylan as, as a big Dylan fan as well. Dylan's not really coped with the change of his voice. Um, yeah. Whereas Leonard Cohen really has, um, 
Maybe because Leonard Cohen could sing once and Dylan's never really been able to sing, um, <laughs> even though I love him. Um, but it's an interesting comparison because I think you just see that Dylan tried to try change everything by just making the songs so different. Whereas like Will was saying, Cohen just owns it. And and I suppose that was the confidence that Sam mentioned as well. It's kind of, um, yeah, fascinating artist. Brilliant. Cool. I think that's us. And I just want to say to anyone who's listening, if, in case anyone is listening for the first time, we are not usually this positive. We don't usually agree this much. Um, go and listen to another episode straight away so you can hear us argue. Um, but other than that, thanks for coming on, Will. Oh, thanks um, for having me. It's been an absolute blast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, I'm, I'm slightly gutted we couldn't give you at least one album you totally hated. Um, <laughs> but we'll have you on again to do that. And I'll purposely choose things that you hate. But yeah, should we should we talk about next time? Um, yeah, Sam, yeah. Sam and Matt. So, Matt, you are the host next time. Yeah. So what, what are you bringing to us? I'm I'm the host. So for the classic, we're going to cover the uh, Augustus Pablo album, which I think is a more of a collab with uh, King Toby and uh, King Toby's meets King Toby's meets Rockers Uptown. <laughs> uh, I don't think you know what the album's called. Just dude. random words. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I think I'm pretty sure it's that. Yeah. But you can go to the playlist. Um, and then uh, for the Why I Love section, we're going to be covering Fat Boy Slim. Nice. Sam, what are you bringing? I am picking the Boy Genius album, The Record, and Daniel Caesar, Never Enough, in all caps. Never Enough. He's shouting it. <laughs> okay. Good to um, I've I've gone with Unknown Mortal Orchestra with five or V. I yeah, one of those two. And I've gone with Lancum with False Lancum. Um, hopefully, someone hates an album next time. Um, but other than that, thanks for listening, people. Uh, check us out at pickybees.com. You can find plenty of Will's writing on there. Our guest today, I think, actually the last review we published was by Will so go and have a read and uh, and we'll speak to you next time cheers again Will and bye thanks everybody. again <laughs>